Oh boy, oh boy. You know, first of all, we got the lighting. Um, I'm back in person, looking at the camera like it's the office. Uh, it's his bold perceptions. Once again, we're back. It's been a while since I've recorded in person. I kind of feel like I'm on like the Oprah show. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but uh, we are here in Minneapolis, actually. Sydney and Keelan. Uh, you know what? Just give a quick introduction. This is like an icebreaker in an elementary school class. Tell us who you are. I'm Sydney. I am a yoga teacher, group fitness, all things like fitness, wellness, health, all me. Um, yeah, I went to the U of M. I was a cheerleader, so I feel like that's where I get a lot of that from. I feel like I'm pretty energetic, upbeat. I have just a big personality, ready to talk. And I'm Keelan. Um, I'm from Vegas, and I moved here about three years ago. I am new to the fitness world because of Sydney, and I also do social media marketing, and I have a passion for being creative and just, like, putting my best foot forward, so... Love it, love it. And um, one of the big topics here, what really caught my eye and ear about what you guys are creating, we'll get into it. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's bold, for the lack of a better word. It's why we're all here. It's bold. It's against the grain. Uh, it's not a very popular, although I think it will become more popular as you kind of learn about it and really dive into it. But Stable Girl Summer, that is your guys' brand, correct? How long has it been around? Where, where was the brainchild? Where did this all come from? Actually, we were we were on a walk right around here. So we that's like our favorite thing to do is go on walks. We'll be like, hey, do you want to meet up for a walk? And then we'll just like put on our ankle weights and walk like six miles or something. You know, it's really beautiful right in the city. I feel like there's so many hidden gems. And I said to Keelan, I'm like, you know, like what if – what about not hot girl summer? Like, what about something different? Like, how about stable girl summer? You know, you'll see people just, like, throw the world around, like, fit girl summer or happy girl summer or whatever. Like, I think all of that's great. And Keelan was like, yeah, like, mental health and financial wealth. And we literally, it was like a light bulb. And we were just like, oh, my gosh, like, that would be such cool merch. Like, not really thinking anything of it. Yeah, we literally, like... We were like, that kind of sounds cool. And then, like, like wait like wait two or three days later, and we're like, should we go should for we this? Should yeah, we like, do it? Yeah. And then we started kind of, like, tossing it around to certain people, but we were pretty private about it because, like, it is what we believe in and what we think is really important, and it is against the grain. Like, so I think, like, then once we were like, you know what? Let's just do it. Like, not for anybody else but for ourselves. And that's how it kind of came about. It was pretty quick. Well, and I feel like any good idea, whether it's business or if you're making an app, product, service, whatever, you can't, by the time you follow somebody else and what they're doing, it's too late. Like, it's totally. too late. You're behind the curve. And anything that, you know, makes an impact is kind of against the grain. It's bold. It's true. Totally. I hate to keep using our own buzzword. We're playing a drinking game with the listeners, everybody. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's my take. And you said, Keelan... You guys were kind of like, okay, hold on. Like, should we do this? Kind of second-guessing. Were you second-guessing yourself, or what, what were you thinking when not, you had the light bulb? Not really. It wasn't like a second-guessing, but it's like there's a lot of people who say they're going to do something and that they want to do something, and then they share it to everybody, and they're so quick to be like, I'm doing this, and then it, like, fizzles out, and it kind of kept it more passionate for us. and like, To keep more, it in-house. Yeah, yeah, it was very, like... This is what we want to do. We didn't get any outside opinion. No one was able to tell us, like, ooh, I don't know if you should do that and then sway us to something that 
we'd be like, oh, maybe we shouldn't. So we really just thought that it was important to keep it quiet and, like, release it when we felt like it was time. I think the biggest thing, too, is that, like, when you really, like, are talking about it with other people and you're like, should I do this? Should I do this? It's like, okay, well, now it's been three weeks and I'm on to the next, you know? Or, you know, like you said, it's too late. So it's like, might as well just jump on it. And we were like, worst, you know, worst comes to worst or whatever, like, I'm happy that this is what I'm representing, you know, wear your heart on your sleeve or whatever. Like, that's something that I'm really happy to wear around and people see it and they're like, oh, that's really cool, you know? So whether we sold, you know, one hat or 10,000, it's just, we're like, it's a cool idea and it's who we are. And so why not wear it? And we knew it would be a conversation starter. Yes. We think that that's important. Okay. And so just like you said, you mentioned one hat, 10 hats, 100 hats, office in Dubai, whatever, you got a private jet. It doesn't matter because the idea that you had, it literally lit you guys up, right? Like mm-hmm. you kind of felt something different. It's like the creator spark. You guys are both creators. You kind of get that. And it's, it's not about the finances around it. It's about the people that it attracts into your life. Um, you start living the mantra more subconsciously and consciously. There's, the benefits are crazy. I've experienced it with this podcast. It's just something about it. Um, and when you, when you start, you know, paying attention to your behavior, cause obviously you don't want to live a lie. You guys don't want to be like the number one hot girl summer people <laughs> you're back home creating this. I mean, have you experienced any of that yet? Has your life changed in any weird ways? Even if they're small, has it been different in your own mind since you had this thought? I feel like, yes, because something that. I feel like really brought us together in general was just like always trying to become the best version of yourself. And no one is like, it's not like, Oh, you wake up on January 25th and all of a sudden, yep, I'm the best version of myself, you know? And so I think that's one thing that like, it was just random, random date. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You don't know January 5th, 25th. Um, no, just a random date. But, um, I think that's something that we just wanted to like put into one thing is really being the best version of yourself, the strongest mentally, financially. And so we've always been like, you know, how can we be better? The things that we're doing together and how we like speak and activities we participate in, I guess. And so I think we've always been changing and we've always been living that. And then all of a sudden we like, you know, put Stable Girl Summer onto it. Right. Well, and I think that, like, a big part of it is, like, we're not saying we're perfect. Like, we are saying, like, hey, we're working on ourselves. Hey, working on yourself is good for you. Like, I mean, I still slip up. I don't always act stable girl summer. (laughs) It's it's human. It's human. I at least get reminded of the mission that I'm on and who I'm trying to be. And I think that's why this was so authentic is that it was authentic to us. And before we became friends, we were both working on ourselves and then we came up with it. And it's like, it's really not a season. Like we say, it's a mindset and it's a lifestyle. That's the other thing. Okay. So on my drive here, I was literally listening to like an eight minute video about hot girl summer. Don't judge me. And, uh, <laughs> Do the research. I was doing my research. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm about to talk about it. And one of the points that they raised, whoever the, they were, I can't remember. Meg the Stallion. Probably Meg the Stallion. <laughs> I don't know. But 
Summer, like it kind of um, obviously it's in your name, it's Stable Girl Summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And obviously it can be, you know, it can be interpreted in different ways, but the general notion with the population, I feel like is once the weather gets warm, here comes all this hot girl toxic behavior stuff in the summer on boats and lakes, <laughs> partying, whatever. And it just doesn't, it's not like sustainable. Amen. Know what I mean? Like they, they, they bring it up in a way that signifies just acting up for the summer. And that's not what it's like the rest of the year. Well, that's kind of like our point. Like right. toxicity gets old. Like people get bored of behavior and misery loves company. So these people who are like, oh yeah, go out, get messed up, go have, like, I, can we cuss? Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go fuck your like friends, boyfriend, all that kind of stuff. Like that, yeah, that, exactly. That might be fun for you, but like I just said, misery loves company. And they're saying that because they're feeling bad about what they're doing and they want to feel justified in their toxic behavior. Couldn't more. Well, and also like, okay, have you heard of seasonal depression? We live in Minnesota. <laughs> like, what you're gonna have hot girl summer, and then you're gonna depressed have depressed girl, girl winter. winter. Depressed girl winter. I'm making March. He's now. gonna leave, and we're gonna have sweatshirts like ads or something. <laughs> Instead of a smiley on the back of our sweatshirt, the it's gonna brownie. be a frowny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. No, but that's true. That's like yeah. what they promote. I'm serious. Yeah. I and mean, you guys see it, and well, and I think like. I was a, a hot girl summer girl. Everybody, like, everybody goes through that. No yeah. I mean. Like I was like Miss Toxicity 2015. Well, you're from Vegas. Yeah, I, uh, you're from I Vegas. mean, it was like Toxic City, but it doesn't matter where you are. Like I was that and I had a lot of downfalls to then create like you, you can't become who you are unless you've had a downfall and, or more than one. And I had to wake up one day and decide, like, am I truly happy or is this kind of like what people are projecting is happiness to me? I want to be a hot girl. Yeah, right. I mean, I'll always be a hot girl. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. I, I'll be a stable girl stable and stable is sexy. Stable yes, absolutely. And like at the end of the day, it's more about what's inside than what's outside, you know? And like, I think that like, confidence is sexy confidence is hot and like when you can fully live a life and you are like damn like i am the best version of myself today or at least i'm showing up as the best version of myself you have such an energy and a confidence and it's like there's no way you can't be hot with with that you know like wear your confidence on your sleeve wear your stability on your sleeve and like you you get back what you're putting out yes and back to the toxicity that is easy, that, that lifestyle, I know we were all in college once, it's easy to do that, you can pop up the next morning and you can go do whatever you want, but as you get older, I mean, I'm getting up there, my hangovers are getting bad. Oh yeah. So you literally can't live that like party, toxicity, one night stand life without like terrible anxiety, shake, shakes, mental midgetry, I mean, it's, it's bad, it's bad. It's bad. Right? Is that kind of what you were going through? I mean, yeah, like I'm a little bit older too. So like it hit a point where it was like, does this want to become my regular life? Or is am I ready to like live my life and be present and be happy? And like, 
so like make Sydney, for example, surrounding yourself with people who make you a better person. They do not lie when they tell you you are who your friends are. They do not lie. So everybody likes to write this stuff off as like a cliche thing. Mm -hmm. It's literally so true. And it's like right under your nose. Like mm -hmm. those cliches are right under your nose and it couldn't be more true. And I saw both of you guys post about it the other day, right? Did you guys like text each other's posts? We just no. like kind of like get each other yeah. like that. Like sometimes we end up posting things that are like exactly the same in a couple like minutes the, apart. Yeah. And sometimes we see it from each other and we're like, vibes, gotta repost mm -hmm. that. Vibes, like, vibes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And too, I like, I tell a lot of people this and it's so true. Like I can count pretty much all of my close friends on one, if not one and a half hands, you know? And I feel like I'm such the person where like for my friendships and like my relationships that I have, like I'm ride or die, like call me in the middle of the night, I will do whatever you need me to do. I will bend over backwards. I will part the Red Sea, you know? And, <laughs> and so I like to have friendships that reciprocate the same thing and like, my mom calls them level three conversations. You know, you go into like, how are you? Good. Well, instead of just a conversation like that, it's like you jump into the deep stuff right away. And I feel like I'm so connected with Keelan and the other friends that we have that it's like, they know a hair is out of place without you having to say anything or without them having to see that. And you just hold those people so much more closely to you. And I don't, I don't want to like, yeah, there's some people in my life that I'll not talk to for a year, a couple months, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, I don't want to be like small talk and like, so how's life? How's your boyfriend? Where you live now? Whatever. So I just you think, their yeah, exactly. And I, I want to be super authentic and genuine. And I think I read this quote somewhere once that was like you can only have like seven super close people to you something like that like the human brain i don't know has the capacity yeah, of that mental bandwidth. you can't you can't focus on that many things like you want to right but it probably goes the same for friends too well you can't care. and i heard this thing a long time ago from my mom's best friend and she was like you have a friends b friends and c friends and you think of it as like a circle so like a friends B friends, C friends. And like your A friends, like they are your ride or die. And that's why that circle is small. And your B friends might be like your like friends. friends. Yeah, like they're oh friends, they're friends, but like they don't know every detail about you. And your C friends are out here. And as you continue to progress through life, like you just stick with your A friends. Yeah. And that's okay. Like I'm fine with the fact that I have a small group of friends. I'm fine that I'm not with like 12 a group of 12 people every single night talk all talking bad about each other all miserable mm -hmm. dragging each other down like i'd rather be with people who uplift me and have that group be small than big and have them bring me down 100 percent. and this actually ties in back to something i wanted to mention in the beginning so when you guys were saying you were on your walk you had your light bulb moment and then you started thinking about should we tell people like no let's keep it to ourselves I just read something or watched something, I don't know, Jordan Peterson, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's like a very renowned Harvard philosopher slash professor. And he was saying it's super important to keep in mind who you're telling good news to and bad news to, mm -hmm. because like you guys said, um, it's easy to piggyback off negativity. Like society is just, it's so easy to just jump on the negative train. People want to see you fail. They know they want to. It's like the human 
can, it's like the innate human condition. And I'm, I'm getting solar here, but like going back to caveman times, like only one dude could come home with a deer for his wife. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you're competing at every level. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't want to tell everybody about your idea right away because they'll either be like kind of jealous or, you know, start competing with you subconsciously, or they just try to talk to you out of it and they tell you why not to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I hate that about society, people. Well, and that's why you need to find people that like, a like friend. we just said, a friends, yeah. like people who are going to be like, you know, that's a great idea. And I remember even like, we shared it with like a couple of our really close mm -hmm. friends and those friends were like, that's a great idea. And that to me, it's like, thank you. Like I, I wouldn't do the same for you. Just like Sydney said, I would support you. I would do whatever you're doing. I would be like, let's go. Yeah. And like to have that back kind of, not that your friends need to always be like, what you're doing is great. But like, as long as they have your back in the long run, I think that's super important. Yes. Because there is a difference between being like a yes man, yeah, mm -hmm. and then like kind of checking your back, like, okay, do you really want to do that? Here's a potential hole, but how do you differentiate between the two? And sometimes yeah. your friends are going to be like, maybe that's not a good like challenge yeah, right. to you. What's yeah, you get to? yeah. I mean, do you guys have off the top of your head? What what are your what are your friends like? What do you think a friendship should be like? Do you think they should constructively criticize, or should they be more supportive? Does it matter? I think that uh, I think that there's a good balance between the two and actually it's <laughs> funny because my ex-boyfriend um shout out yeah <laughs> right yeah <laughs> I don't want to give him that kind of clout but allegedly yeah oh, oh. um but I remember he like said something to me and like he would constantly say things to me that were very like really kind of tearing me down. And I said to him, I was like, can you for once, like just not say something that is like detrimental to me? Like I'm trying my best, you know? And he was like, well, I'm just giving you feedback. And I had another light bulb moment. And I was like, there are people in life that I will take feedback from gladly. And there are people in life that I will not take feedback from. And I looked at him and I was like, I will not take your feedback, your feedback and, sucks. and I was like, and that's when I knew like we are not meant to be together. So that should be a, that should be a real anybody going through yeah yeah anybody going through a breakup yeah right. yeah he's got to be supportive. And if you can't take feedback from your friends, it doesn't always have to reflect. Well, sometimes I think people maybe don't know how to receive feedback, but people also don't know how to give feedback. And if it's a friend where you're like, I won't take their feedback because of like who they are or how they live their life, then maybe like check your friendship or like check the relationship that you have with them. Because every single one of my friends, like even though we have different relationships than, you know, me and Keelan's relationship, every single relationship you have with any, any of your A friends is um, different, but I would be happy to receive feedback from anyone because I feel like it just comes down to, do they want me to be better today? Well, and this is like kind of spinning off of like you guys have amazing, amazing like timing speaking by the way. Like you know when to start we, talking when she's like we this. get it. Yeah, we, we're a stable girl. Just just take the mic. I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> no, but seriously. So like feedback. Like 
let's let me go back to what I said about how we kept it quiet. We kept it quiet. We kept stable girl summer quiet. This was our idea, our baby. And like it wasn't for profit. It wasn't for anything other than that. We liked it and we backed it. And then when we did launch Stable Girl Summer, the amount of girls that I didn't expect to come forward and be like, I really needed this. I love this. Wow. This is so cool. Whether they bought something or they didn't was like, I was like, that's when we were like, okay, we, we might be on to something. Like there's a lot of girls out there that might be hearing hot girl summer, hot girl summer, hot girl summer over and over again. And like, like are sick of it, but are scared to, to be against the grain. That's true. That, no, that's very true. Continue on on this. I like this. I like where this is going. Well, and Sydney made a great point the other day, which you should say, it's about like repeating the yeah. same thing. And I feel too, like when, you know, people have repeated hot girl summer in so many different contexts where you'll have the Alex Cooper, call her daddy, like post that photo of your ass, your butt cheeks, whatever it is, like to each their own. If, do you, whatever, that's cool too, you know? Um, but then you have people that are like, it's a vibe, it's a state of mind, da-da-da-da-da. Well, when you have someone saying two extremes, it's just, mm -hmm. it doesn't really have any meaning anymore or it's very unclear. And it's like, no, like we're gonna be very clear about what Stable Girl Summer is and the meaning that it has, you know? So let me play devil's advocate. <clears throat> Please. Um, I don't even know if this is gonna qualify. But okay, so, Obviously, your own thoughts are kind of your own reality. Your perceptions are all your own, whatever. Perceptions, take a drink at home. Um, <laughs> what if stable to somebody is being confident enough to literally post their ass on Instagram? Awesome. I, like, is love it, that. Okay. So is there, like, specific boundaries in your guys' mm. minds to this? I don't think so. Like, it's not – like, I the do. thing is – well, I don't think that there's – there's boundaries in the fact of like you shouldn't be able to post something or do what you yeah, want yeah. i think that it should be boundaries of like is it toxic behavior or is it for the right reasons is are you posting, out? are you posting the 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 uh bikini or what, whatever photo fully clothed in a bikini or naked are you posting that because you feel good in that because you like that or are you posting that for external validation external validation is the whole thing that feeds into this like hot girl summer is for external validation stable girls don't need that shit to thrive amen sister i was just gonna say that <laughs> yeah like i and especially this summer i feel like the you know hot girl summer is being thrown around so much now because this is the first summer where like, you know, we're out getting out of the pandemic, COVID is loosening up, restrictions are loosening up. Um, and so people are like, I wanna go out, I wanna do all this. And stable girls, like you can still go out. I wanna be like really clear, but when we're seeing like, all right, we're gonna black out and we're gonna fuck him and text him and whatever, you know, that behavior that's like, you don't really care the consequences of it or whatever i think that's where it draws the line of like if you're doing something for you and because you want to do it hell yeah like hell yeah if you're doing something that's because you need the affirmation of someone else or it's to spite someone else or it's to like get unruly and out of control like that ain't it and when have you ever felt good when you leave him on read for three days and then he reads you on read for three for six three days? I don't care. Like 
When has that ever made you feel good? When has having the hangover anxiety because you had sex with someone and you're not really that proud of it, or maybe you are, but you weren't, you don't know how you acted. Yeah. When do you ever feel good after that? I 10 out of 10 can tell you anyone that you ask will be like, I'm so sad right now. I'm sad about my behavior. And then they go through the whole week and they forget about it and they do it again because everybody's like, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And to an extent, don't worry about it. But also your actions do define you. And you, what you do every day, like every, your routine in your every day is what makes you and who you are as a person. And when you're being toxic, you're giving out toxic behavior. When I was extremely toxic, I was not kind. I was super self-conscious and I was disrespectful to those around me without even being aware of it. Disrespectful of time, disrespectful of people's feelings and disrespectful of pretty much everything around me. So until you love yourself and you decide, I don't want to act like that, you're going to project that because you're not giving that to yourself. And what you project out, you're going to attract. So like, yeah, absolutely. even if you're unaware of it, like you were you're saying. You I thought nothing wrong. was wrong with me. I was like, it's everybody else's problem. I'm doing my thing. I'm living my life. And like, I, like, I can't say this enough. Like live your life, do what you want. It's your choice. I'm not shaming you, but are you happy? And that kind of mirrors like accountability in general. Like this doesn't even need to be strictly about like party behavior and uh, hot girl summer for that. Reason. Yeah. Like accountability and discipline. You literally are in control of your life, whether you like it or not. So don't play the victim and say, this isn't my, this isn't my deal. Mm -hmm. Like what's happening to me is not a reflection of my choices. Like, yeah, like, yeah, it is. It's just how it is. Uh, I think especially too, like for us, like, you know, I'm like more in my earlier twenties. I don't know how old you are. I'm mid. I'm mid. Okay. Mid and Keelan's on the upper twenties. Um, it's just every, like, there's so many different, like, ends of the spectrum and I feel like many people like they're living for their weekends especially like it's summer hell yeah but I want to like live for every single day you know like you're counting down the hours until the clock strikes four or five you get out of work it's a Thursday it's a Friday whatever like why do you not like why aren't you that excited for it to like become Monday morning you know that's the life that I want to lead and that's the life that I want to live 100% and uh I feel like I just went through, you probably, okay, so by the by the law of the 20s, you probably realized things before I did, and you actually, I feel like you might have realized things, am I behind the ball here? <laughs> well, men's brains develop true. slower. Very true. No offense. Uh, I have an instable brain. <laughs> but I did start realizing, like, damn, I like the weekdays more now, even though, and I'm not saying I'm an angel on the weekend, I'm not at all, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that, but... I, uh, I think it's just important to really like what you do every day and just to hear the alarm clock and not want to fucking snooze it. Like, yep. I want to go get it. I want to be productive. And I think your guys' message kind of reflects that. Well, yeah. and that's probably why Stable Girl Summer worked for the two of us. And I'll put it this way because this is a best way for everyone to understand. Sydney's in her younger 20s. I'm in my later 20s. You may not think that we would bond and understand each other, but Sydney's gone through trauma early in her life. And I've gone through trauma when I was earlier in my life that has created who we are, that then made us become like who we are, how we're friends, and what we believe in. Can we actually now, get into that too? Totally. Yes, we absolutely will get into that. Um, 
But the thing is, is if there's one thing that I've learned in my 20s, and I say this to Sydney, and I'm not being like, oh, I say this to her, like I'm her mom. I mean, like I say this to anybody who is younger than me, because I know every single year of my 20s, I was a completely different person from 20 to 21 to 22 to 23 to where I am today. I'm 28 years old. Different people entirely because I've grown and learned from each year. Not in like a, I'm a sociopath and I have like 18 different, different personalities. You got all these lies. You got yeah, like I have to go cover up some graves and stuff. Yeah. No, but like seriously, I learned and I lived and that's also a part of like why we say like, okay, maybe, maybe you are 21 and maybe hot girl summer is it for you right now, but is it long term for you? That's the whole thing. Can you sustain that? It's not really sustainable. It's not really what's gonna. If you can, if you can hot girl summer and grow. That's a stable girl. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I think I think <laughs> like society's definition or interpretation of hot girl summer is just in general toxic. Uh, it's detrimental behavior, and it's just easy for everybody to piggyback off that. It's harder to do things that are good for you because it takes discipline and focus. And it's easier to just go off the deep end. Well, and side note, like hot girl summer, and I'm sorry if I touch a nerve here, but it's essentially Saturdays are for the boys for girls. Yes. Like and that's I yes, keep going. And like <laughs> and like I know Saturdays are for the boys is like camaraderie, and I'll probably be like sought after after saying this, but like it's also like boys being dumb. Like, and that's what hot girl summer is for girls, like making not great decisions and having a slogan behind it. So that's like what I see it as. I'm like, okay, so it's basically Saturdays for the boys. If I see a guy, um, by the way, men listening, if I hear a guy saying Saturdays are for the boys, I will not talk to you. I will ignore you and you will block. Not, yes. Block, delete, bye. I literally just saw you put away your Saturdays for the boys. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm lying. I'm a big liar. We actually had those like flags all over. Also, Stay this podcast is sponsored by Saturdays for the boys. We have all of our school sponsors. <laughs> no, but I just, that's not something I want in my life. It's not that kind of it's the same as hot girl summer that kind of behavior is not what i'm here for right now i'm gonna get like people in my dm like how oh, dare you yeah Saturdays are forever for the their place. um their instagram um photo is like a like natty light or yeah, something yeah yeah <laughs> or like a frat photo like, calm down jason yeah i'm not coming brad yeah kyle yeah exactly i i heard someone say like if you don't have any haters you're not doing it right so to go back you guys mentioned traumatic experiences Keelan's having a traumatic experience with camera <laughs> um, but tell me tell me about this I feel like this may have been a life-altering moment for each of you I don't know if you guys both want to yes it can start I'm like which trauma you want me to start no I'm just kidding um, I 
Yeah. So I feel like I went through my trauma super early in life, I guess, high school, I feel like. Um, but I had a super chaotic childhood. I was actually just talking to my mom about it. And we like I have a really great relationship with everyone in my family. Um, it's not even all like family related. Um, but a lot of people, especially that I know now, I feel would think, oh my gosh, like you, your personality, the way you are, like you really flourished and like thrived in high school. And I, I hated high school. It was probably like the worst time of my life. I wish I could cut, I don't wish I could cut it out because it's really shaped me into who I am today. Um, but I came into like this really big public school from a smaller school. So everyone knew each other. I just, I kind of felt like a fish out of water. And I remember like wanting to fit in so bad. And that's kind of what's like refined why I want to have a small friend group. Cause I remember being in this big friend group and like speaking and then looking around, like, did anyone just hear me, you know? Um, but the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. So my freshman year, I, I was dating this guy for literally two weeks, dated this guy who was a year older than me for two weeks. We broke up, whatever. Um, but then I started to get like extremely bullied by his group of friends and like they were all on a sports team and they all like kind of, I think now a lot of them have actually apologized to me, but a lot of them really like they would send tweets at me, like public tweets at me. And like, it was from everything about like what I wore to school to like how I looked. And I mean, I was like 15 years old. I was 15 years old. And um, I remember one day in the summer, I can like vividly remember this day. I, I have always gone to therapy for my entire life. My parents are divorced, whatever. But um, I've been on anxiety and depression medication my entire, not my entire life, but probably since like eighth grade. And through high school, I kind of like experimented and tried out different medication and stuff. And I'm now at an extremely stable place, you know, would you believe it? But yeah, right, exactly. Um, but, you know, we know that teenagers' brains are extremely impulsive. And so this, um, one day in the summer, um, it was in August of between my freshman and sophomore year, one of the guys that was in the friend group of these boys that were extremely bullying me. Like I remember going to my school counselor every single day with screenshots of text tweets. Like it was nonstop. I could not escape it. Um, he texted me and he said, you should just kill yourself. And teenager, impulsive brain, I like vividly remember writing a letter to my parents. And I've talked about this a lot, but I'm getting a little choked up about it. Um, writing a letter to my parents and saying, I love you guys. It's nothing that you guys did. I can't do this anymore. And I took all of my medication. And I remember like my dad kind of like trying to wake me up and um, just like, going into the emergency room, driving me to the emergency room and um, like just running in front of everyone, like screaming, my daughter took all of these meds. He had all the bottles and um, him just freaking out. And I was kind of like in and out of a daze, so to speak. And one thing that like when you go to the emergency room and you've tried to kill yourself or taken a lot of medication or whatever, um, is that they never like leave you alone because when you take a lot of medication you can have seizures more easily um 
and you can, you know, it's just more of a hazard. And I went to the bathroom when I was in the hospital. They let me like walk to the bathroom and go to the bathroom by myself. And it was like one of the uh, bathrooms where it was just like a door that you lock in one uh, stall and not like you walk into the women's restroom and it's multiple stalls and you can see the person's feet under the door next to you. Um, and I stood up after going to the bathroom and I fell and I don't know if it was like I stood up and I had a seizure or I stood up and like then fell and hit my head, but I fell and hit my head and I was actually in like a medically induced coma for a couple of days because I was having seizures and that's kind of what happens when you take a lot of medication. So it could have been a, a lot more controlled situation, but then the hospital that I went to actually like all of my medical bills were completely written off because they made that mistake of letting me go to the bathroom by myself. Yeah. So, um, my mom, after probably like 20, 30 minutes of me being gone to go to the bathroom was like, this isn't right. Something's not right. And since the door was locked, it completely like unhinged the door. And, um, I, it's almost kind of like I have one birthday and then I have another birthday because that's when I like really restarted my life over again. And when you go to the hospital and you try to kill yourself, you have to go to an inpatient program. And I think I was made, well, I was in a, a coma for a while and then I had a traumatic brain injury and, um, I was, uh, in this, I guess, mental hospital inpatient, so to speak, that was just connected to the hospital in um, my hometown and um, really like just going through the motions of like, what do you do in a crisis? Like, how are you going to react and how's that going to be different than like how you've responded to things your entire life? It's like living in therapy for um, however long you are. And I remember when I got um, out of the hospital and I got to be myself again um, or kind of rebuild myself and you know, side note, my mom's a therapist. And so she's the reason that I am the person that I am and is just the most amazing. But um, I like didn't have my phone. I had to get a completely new phone number because like it was so bad that like they were sending the the group of people that was um, bullying me were like sending things to my phone. They put my phone number on Craigslist as like a sex something so like i was getting disgusting messages um the police got involved like it was a really big situation and um yeah i i just from that point on my like mission in life was like how can i help people that are going through something like that or honestly just how can i help people i went to school to be a therapist as well but um yeah i just that was my like but uh, ground, what's, what is it? Your lowest, yeah, whatever your lowest level is, that was that. And I know like from then on, like things really could only go up from there. And so I've worked really hard. I mean, granted I was 16 years old at that point, 15, 16 years old. So that's kind of just ever since been my mission in life is just like, if I've ever helped one person in my life that was going through anything similar to what I was going through, I have lived a fulfilled life. So Sorry, that was a no, lot of information. I, okay, first of all, I've never had that deep of a story on a live recording, and you should have seen my eyes. Like, what? Uh, that's actually incredible. 
And I imagine that your perspective on life itself, even just like waking up in the morning, was probably flipped completely around. Like you probably looked at each day. I, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth right now. Just, no, to, you're spot on. I mean, it just sounds crazy uh, to go through that and then have just a new, you, you literally had a new birthday, more or less. Yeah. Uh, that's ridiculous. And I can now see, you know, how you're so positive because I mean, you just kind of radiate it. It's your vibe. Thank you. And uh, that's very, I did not expect to hear that, honestly. I did, this is live. It's completely live. Yeah. That's crazy. Honestly, that's crazy. So I can totally see how you're, you know, you're pouring yourself into this actual brand and how it means so much to you. Totally. I mean, I'm kind of speechless. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of speechless. I think that's really is the thing too. And actually after that happened to me, I like, it was very like, my mom was like, okay, well, my family was like, we're not going to tell people about it because, you know, in a sense, like they wanted to protect me, you know? And my mom was like, well, I don't know if like, maybe you wouldn't be, have, you'd have a harder time like getting into college because they might think, oh, you have this mental health. And I know that it was from a place of protection, but for a while I was like, oh my God, you know, like, is this like a disability? Is there something wrong with me? Like what? And now like I am at such a stable point in my life with my mental health. I mean, there's a lot of other things that have gone on in my life, in my childhood that made things chaotic, but um, I'm at such a point with my mental health where it's like, yes, I have anxiety. Yes, I have depression, but I feel like I have such control of it. And there are times where like it acts up, you know, or like, I'm like, oh, hey, you're there. Like, didn't know you were still there or whatever, but it's like, you know, you might have a dog, but you're not a dog. Like I have anxiety, I have depression, but I'm not that. Right, you're not, yeah, no. I've heard emotions coming, like psychologists and uh, therapists always liken emotions to just like clouds passing through. You'll get clouds, you can be a sunny sky, you know, mm -hmm. but you're gonna get rain at some points. It's just the way of the road. Um, and Keelan, <laughs> how, how are you gonna follow? How are you going to follow this up? I will follow it. I just want to make sure this is still going. And I will follow up. I hope you don't care. No, not at all. So I, 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 knew, didn't wanna... I, knew, I knew about it a little bit. Yeah, I didn't want... No, she's very open with it. Yeah. And I would never share anything about that. I know yeah. I was the one who said something to you if yeah. she wasn't. Yeah, no, it's not like... Um, yeah, yeah. So this isn't a competition. I want to say that like right. I'm not saying this. My my trauma is not to try to out trauma her. Everyone has their own trauma. And um, all right, so I'll unpack it. So I um I am so sorry. I literally have never said this to like the public, but people know. So it's fine with me. So I was sexually assaulted in Vegas. Um, uh, preface to that. All right. So I was like going to school at UNLV and I was partying all the time and there was a the toxic behavior. And it is, it was like partying every single night, like clubs, drugs, anything you can imagine. Like that's what I was doing. And like, because it was in higher places, I felt like it was okay. Um, and 
I absolutely do not think that like what happened to me was deserved. However, like my behavior leading up to that was one of the reasons that 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 was a possibility. I wasn't being smart about my actions. Now it was never, no one should ever be put through that. It doesn't matter if you're out like walking naked on the street, that's zero tolerance. But I, so basically what happened is there's this music festival in Las Vegas and it was 2019 and I had finished college and I was going through it. I was an asshole to everybody. I said this earlier, I was disrespectful to my friends, disrespectful to my family, disrespectful to anybody who encountered me. It was their problem and not mine. And I had no direction in what I wanted to do. I was complacent with like doing my thing, partying and like being Miss Hot Girl in Las Vegas. And I went to this music festival. I had like, you know, I was under the influence of like alcohol and like a couple other things. And um, like, basically I was still coherent, but I, the music festival finished in the evening and I went to this bar with this guy that I knew and he was my friend. And I went in to use the bathroom and I like ran into someone else that I knew in there and he knew that I wasn't okay to like be alone and he left me. And this person who I didn't know slipped like ketamine into my drink and then essayed me. And I woke up the next morning in this person's bed with no idea how I was there. My clothes were on the ground. And I, all I remember is like, I was like, I have to get out of here. Like I have to go. I don't know what to do. I don't like, I don't know what happened to me. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know who I was with. I like wanted to throw up. So I got out of there and then it all kind of hit me. But like, after you're a victim of that, you don't want it's exactly like what Sydney said, like, you don't want people to know you're ashamed. It is, it's the worst feeling because you've gone through something so low and honestly, people should like support you and be there for you. But there's like the fear of like people being like, oh, well you asked for it. Oh, well you weren't like, you weren't a hundred percent. So this is a hundred percent what you deserve. And I didn't tell my mom for months. I called my brother and told my brother and my brother lost his mind. He was like, I'm going to kill this person. I don't like, what are you doing? I went to the hospital alone. I sat at the hospital alone for four hours. I got checked. I went home. And then from that point on for like, oh God, I don't even know. Four months, I wouldn't get out of bed. I literally want, I wanted to end my own life. I thought about it many times. I never did it. It never was a follow through, but I didn't, I was like, I don't even think I should live anymore. It could be the sunniest day and it was the worst day of my life. And I didn't tell my parents and I held it inside and I didn't cope with it correctly. And that's what caused even more toxic behavior, which is why I'm so like, I think it's important that I share it. I think it's important that I talk about it because I was so scared to say that this happened to me and I felt so gross, like it was my fault when it had nothing to do with me. And like keeping it inside is what's going to hurt you. And I remember that one day I made this decision. I mean, I told my mom and that was a whole different situation. Like that really helped our relationship because my defense inside was to be like, like get away from me. Like you don't understand. It was very like this, 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 like get away. I don't need you. I can do this on my own. And then when I finally told my mom, 
there was a lot more hurt that came with that. But at the same time, like it was, it was growth. It was, it was being open. It was being honest. And once I did that, I made a decision, like, am I going to let this define me or am I going to grow from this? And that's a decision that you have to make in these kind of circumstances. Like, are you going to decide that this is what defines your life and you're never going to grow from this? Or are you going to make you going to make every day better than how it was before? For me, like I said, like I was like, I'm a horrible person. Like, I'm not a good friend. I'm, I'm I wasn't like horrible, horrible, but like I. I didn't have any morals. I wasn't kind and I wasn't projecting the energy that I wanted to get back. I was disrespectful to myself more than anybody else. And I don't know. I mean, Sydney kind of like touched on it. Like when you go through trauma like that, like you're embarrassed and you're ashamed and for a while it kind of like consumes you, but it's like, what do you do with that? How do you grow from that? And everybody everybody has trauma in their lives like everyone has trauma and we don't know it and some of us don't share it and that's okay but like that's something you have to remember like you have to remember that everybody out there like i don't think you'd look at either of us and think that either of us have gone through what we've gone through no i would never think that about sydney let me jump in much much respect to both of you i, I actually did not even know this was going to happen <laughs> um but that your point is valid because everybody does have trauma, but honestly, I don't think their traumas are as traumatic as your experiences. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's literally bold and brave to come out and say it, hey, but to bounce back like you did and then represent something greater that fuels you because of it. Like you said, what are you going to do after it happens? Are you going to let it just keep you down? Or is it fuel? It's basically fuel for you. Fuel, fuel to be a better person. And I'm not going to sit here and act like my, everything I have is together. Like I, it's been two, three years since it's happened to me. And have I grown? Absolutely. But exactly what Sydney said, are there things that trigger me that I'm like, whoa, I had no idea that doing this would bring back up this. And all of a sudden I have a nervous breakdown. Like full on breakdown because of something, some other factor that I didn't realize, like your trauma, you're always going to heal. You're always going to grow. And that's kind of like why it means so much to us is because we are constantly working on ourselves so that we can be good people to ourselves more than anybody else, but then project that to others. And Sydney works on that all the time. Sydney, when I first met Sydney, I literally told my boyfriend that she is like human sunshine. Like she literally radiates positivity. I would never look at her and think she's gone through anything in her life and she's gone through more than you'd ever know. I think too, I like, I actually remember, and I honestly, like our trauma is a huge thing that brought us really together. close together because, um, Keelan, that's how Keelan and I really got to know each other was because I was teaching yoga and she was coming to my classes. She took some virtual classes over COVID, but specifically like we'd come back um, one of the first times that things reopened and then everything closed again. But um, we were talking after class and I was like, oh, you know, I went through this and Keelan was like, thank you for sharing. I went through this yeah. and it was kind of like one of those things we like exchange numbers. And we're like, okay, well, like we've got to do something. And 
it's like, how many people do you do that with? A lot. How many people do you follow through with? Not as many, you know? And from then on, like we hung out and we like start, you know, we went boxing together. We started doing all these things together, going on walks and like, we really like never looked back. Like I can't really remember life without her in it, you know? Well, in like, if anything, trauma or no trauma, like authenticity is one of the most important things you can have in being honest and true to yourself and others. And like, for example, like I don't, I don't go around and tell people like, hey, I was at SAID and Sydney doesn't, we don't use it as like, hey, we're victims. We use it more of like, like, hey, listen, I've gone through something. Like, I can relate to you, or maybe you need to hear this. I'm not going to throw it in your face, but like, I tell people who I think might need to hear my trauma mm -hmm. to well, grow also, from it. And both you guys have legitimate trauma. Like, other people may think they, and I don't want this to come off as insensitive, but other people may think that because their car broke them, mm -hmm. that they have yeah. the right to be a victim and just pity themselves. Know yeah, what I mean? absolutely. And it's not a trauma competition, like you said. Yeah, exactly. But like people, there's people like that. So using using it in that sense is, I think that's very powerful and positive. Well, and also like recently I was triggered in a way, I, like very recently I was triggered in a way that I wasn't expecting to be triggered and like reacted inappropriately and had like a breakdown. And rather than like my old me who would have been like, I'm sorry, but like, like there would be like an I'm sorry, but, or like my behavior is this. Instead, I said, thank you. I said, thank you to the person who was there for me. I then took into account how lucky I am to have them still around me and listen to me and understand that like I was hurting or I was scared and that like, because of what I've gone through, I'm not really, I'm, we've discussed this multiple times. When your brain goes through trauma, it does anything and everything possible to make sure that you do not go through that again. So if you're in a situation where you're uncomfortable, it's going to go right into fight or flight mode. Like, get me out of here. I cannot do this. And then if there's anything else involved, alcohol or whatever is going on, maybe you've just had a really tough day, you can get a little more aggressive or upset than someone else whose car might have broken down would. Yeah, so, totally. Well, yeah. In the fight and flight response, like we're we are literally animals at the end of the day. Like it's, you can't control it. Like it's just instinctual. It's, it's natural. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you guys are huge on fitness and wellness. I assume this is something that really has helped you through this stuff. Like maybe if not the most important thing. Totally. Absolutely. So when did, when did this start happening? Was this like a response to the trauma or was this something, something different? Like how did you get all into this? Well, you know, um, I always think of this in Legally Blonde where like Elle Woods is defending, I can't remember what her name is, but she's is defending me. No, that's the other girl. Yeah, I know yeah. And she's like, exercise build, or boost your endorphins and endorphins make you happy and happy people just don't kill their husbands. You know, yeah. it's like, it literally does build your endorphins and, um, I think like even so much as going on like a five minute walk or something, it's not even so much as like, oh my God, I just had the hardest workout of my life and now I'm super happy. It's like, it's really the mental space that you get into when you're doing that thing. And, you know, some people are like, 
swear by meditation or whatever. And I believe any type of exercise, whether it be sprinting or, you know, going on a long walk or going to a workout class, I believe that all to be like moving meditation because Mm -hmm. of the state that it puts your mind in. You're able to disconnect. You're able to get into like your mind and your body. And it really is therapeutic in its own sense. And like some people are like, oh, I've been, you know, you might hear people be like, I've been traveling and I couldn't work out or whatever it is. And, you know, they're just like really upset or, you know, anxious or whatever. And it's like, it's not the physical aspect of it. That's like, oh, I'm out of shape. It's the mental aspect of like, I haven't been doing this to stimulate myself in that way that it like, literally builds your endorphins. No, 100%. Before you jump into, again, cliche, but movement is medicine. And people that don't do it, they kind of look down upon that stuff. But it, and it's the best when you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And then you end up doing it. It's That's like a disciplinary reaction. But it's great. Uh, any sort of movement, like you said. I know you're about to joke. Um, no, I mean, honestly, I kind of want to spin on this. So Sydney and I both also have dealt with um movement being not medicine for us like being like like more i don't want to say eating disorder but like orthorexia when you overwork out i was not diagnosed for it so i'm not claiming i had that um and sydney was not diagnosed for that but we've had a point in time where like we were super restrictive with what we put in our bodies. And I'm not gonna completely speak for Sydney, so I'll speak for myself here. Like, I went through a point where like, I was eating disorder behavior. Like, I was using I was using my, my movement as a way to ex- get external validation. And since our trauma, which is what I'm trying to tie this back into, and since how we became friends, and since everything that we've gone through, we've, had so much come from movement in such a shift in how it makes us feel and who we are and how it defines us that it's almost like beautiful like we've developed this super healthy relationship with the fact that we like to exercise and we like to put nourishment into our body because we know more of it rather than the external part it's the internal part it's how are we feeling every day how does it feel to be in a routine how does it feel to nourish ourselves? I mean, are we going to eat a bag of chips and guac in Chipotle six days a week? We might. <laughs> and that's just fine with us. Yeah. The fact that there's no restriction and there's no need to work out is what's beautiful in itself. And I just think like going from being like unstable and having a bad relationship with working out and exercising and then going through trauma and then coming out on a different side of it it wasn't really the trauma but it was about me changing who i was and then i changed this relationship with exercise and trust me we still like we do she teaches doubles on saturdays i'm there every single saturday and we go hard and we'll go on like a six mile walk but not because we're like we need to be zero pounds because we're like hell yeah we feel good 100%. 100%. And I and when I said movement was medicine, it was nothing about Oh no, we oh, agree yeah. with that. I okay. just mean like to touch on the fact of like my relationship with exercise wasn't always healthy. Right. And some True. people yeah. look at it and they think like, "Oh, like you work out too much or like you need to slow down." And it's one of those things. It's like, "I'm good." Like no. <laughs> it's good for me. Maybe meditation is good for you. Maybe 
reading a book is good for you. But for me, my, my movement is my medicine in a great positive way. And even becoming a fitness instructor was super important to healing that wound. Why? Because when you become an instructor, you see all different types of people that come through the door and have gratitude for you and what you're doing for them in many different ways other than just physically. And I got that first experience with Sydney when I went to her class. And then I was like, I think I want to be friends with this girl. And then we bonded and we became friends and it wasn't forced. But like, even I still get, I've just started teaching for probably about a month and a half. And I get this thing that I call a teacher's high. Like after class, I have, I cry a little bit because I have gratitude for the people who showed up just to be there for themselves that day. And that's why like being a teacher has helped me with my relationship with fitness. It's like, you don't have to be, once again, even with yoga, people assume you have to be zero pounds of skinny white girl in like namaste every day. That's yeah. not how it has to be. There should be, there's no shape, no color, no race, no form to fitness. Everyone is involved in it. I still, I mean, I've at this point between everywhere, every place I've ever taught, I've taught probably over a thousand classes of so many different formats of yoga, fitness, and still to this day, sometimes I like look up when I'm teaching and I'm like, whoa, like look at every person in this room moving and it looks, every single person, it looks different. Every single person, it feels different. And they're moving based on the words that I'm speaking. And I think it's almost like this unspoken camaraderie and energy in the room. And also, especially when you become a yoga teacher, you do a lot of unpacking your own shit. And I think that's a lot of that. If I could recommend anyone do anything, it's like go through training to become a yoga teacher, whether you think of yourself as a teacher or not, like you deep dive into shit that you never ever like thought, you know, existed within you. And so I think that's one of like the biggest transformational pieces, especially of like what you, Keelan, you know, especially just finishing her teacher training and starting to teach too, you know, it's, it's just proof that like after years and times doing it, whether I've been teaching hungover or teaching when I don't want to teach or teaching because my ex and my ex-boyfriend's sister is in my class or whatever it is, like, I still love it. I love it as much as the day that I started and I will do it until the day that I die, you know? We've had yogis on, we call them yogis. Do you guys identify as yogis? Yeah, yeah. That's not a derogatory term. No, not at all. But no, they came on and they said, like you're saying, Keelan, the mental and like intuitive uh, benefits literally outweigh the positive oh. of the physical side, you know what I mean, by, like, by far. Absolutely, and like, like it's incredible. You don't experience that until you do it. Like I didn't know that was the gift I was going to receive. I say at the end of my classes now, thank you for coming. You have no idea what your presence means to me and I tried to explain it to my friend who was just visiting and like she's a wonderful person but she just did not get it she did not understand that like one per one person showing up to my class is means the world to me and it's not even necessarily like oh because I know I'm going to give them a good workout but because they feel like they can trust me to lead them through something to better themselves yeah totally 
I feel like that too. Like, oh my gosh, especially like every single person that's ever, you know, in one of my classes or whatever, but like, especially when my friends come, like to me, teaching is like kind of vulnerable and it's like a really like way that I connect with people. And I honestly think it's when I'm the most myself actually. And um, to have like, especially friends come and support it it's like the most just like amazing gift that they could ever give me. And it's like, oh, thanks, you know, to them, like, thanks for the free workout, you know, but for me, I'm like, oh, weeping yeah. inside because I'm so happy. Well, and also, okay, so you guys know Joey Puck. Uh, <laughs> he's been on too. And he's talked about like how you need to be accountable, like not only for yourself to show up, especially on the tough days on like Saturday mornings. Yeah. Theoretically, it's tough. <laughs> Being a hot boy. Yeah, yeah. When he's up. a stable boy. He messaged us about merch. Oh, uh, pot. Give me a free shirt or something. <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's more than just like yourself showing up. Like if you don't show up, you're letting down the class mm -hmm. or like, anybody else. And it's just it's out there. It's getting out of the comfort zone and it's uh, changing it up. And we talk a lot about you know living outside of the comfort zone on this podcast. So I was actually going to ask for some actionable advice on how to you know include stability and getting out of routine like that kind of covers it a little bit um, well, you don't have to more. be you don't have to be like regimented like i think another thing i've learned especially in this last year and i know people say this all the time I'm not trying to be like oh like but this last year i learned to slow down like i was always in part of going through trauma is you sometimes can try to mask your trauma by going, 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 going. And when you stop, that's when you have a nervous breakdown. And in this last year and through, you know, going through yoga teacher training and like I, I pretty much life, like I've had to learn like, you know, it's okay if I don't do 6,000 things today. If I don't cross off everything to do on my to-do list, if what I need to do today is rest, that is okay. If I don't get 10,000 steps or even 2,000 steps. Yeah, you know? if I don't hit the gym today, that's not gonna make that big of a difference. Now, do you need discipline to show up and go to the gym? Yes, but you also need discipline to tell yourself when to stop. And like routine and everything like being like on a consistent schedule is important, but you also have to sit there and recognize like, what do I need for my for myself to nourish myself in ways other than eating clean and working out every day. And I mean, show up to your classes and do what you have to do and do your work and do a good job with your best foot forward. But if you need to eat a pizza at 9 p.m. to make yourself feel better, I say order the pizza. Like it doesn't make a damn difference at the end of the day, as long as you feel good, you know? Yeah, and it's your own, it's kind of, that goes into, you know, your inner definition of stability too. Like everybody has a different definition of what makes them feel good. I think there is personally a fine line between instant gratification and feeling good. Mm -hmm. But I think you're kind of talking about something a little different. It's yeah, like taking more rather than like, oh, I need a pizza and like binging it. I mean, like if you're just like, you know what, I'm going to have pizza night tonight and I'm going to watch a movie and like that's cool with me, then good for you. And that can recharge you too. It, it can make work harder the next day. Absolutely. And I think also stability can have a negative connotation to it that people, when they think of stability, like I think five years ago, I would have been like boring, like <laughs> LOL boring, but like it doesn't have to be boring. It's just about what do, what are you passionate about? 
What do you stand for? That's what stability is to us. What, what defines you? What makes you? What is the energy that you project out? It's not necessarily that you have to wake up every day at 5 a.m., eat oatmeal and work out and do your Run work a half and, marathon. and then and then decide that you're going to like do the, like basically like eat dog food every day. Like you're not doing the same thing every day, but you're still doing what you do. It's your passion is what's important. You guys might need to uh, become life coaches or you know, some like motivation type of thing. I feel like this is almost too uh, high quality for not just our podcast. Hey, don't no, sell no, yourself no. short. This we is chose, our first we chose podcast bold for a reason. Yeah. I choose bold. That's, a, that's a good. I should put that on a shirt. I chose bold. I chose bold. Stable but girls are bold. Girls. Stable girls are yes. bold. Girls. Yes. Like stable okay. girls, let me tell you, stable girls, they're not boring girls. Like, if you are dipping your toe in the stable girl pool, like you better never let's turn take the Margot other way. Robbie. All right, that girl is stable and sexy, and she is Camille like, Caustic. That's there we I go, goals. Like you think of girls, like they work hard, they play hard, and they are hot as hell, and that is a stable girl. This is great. This is a, this is great advertising for bold stable girls. <laughs> Margot Robbie, you hear this? I mean, this is cream of the crop. Yeah, but, I mean. No, in all seriousness, to all wrap it together, um, this was great. This was absolutely great. There's a lot of different flavors that we touched into here. Um, and I'm thankful for all of them. This was good. I didn't know because you guys had said you've never done a podcast. You guys seem like pros, first of all. <laughs> you know, this is good. This is very, very good. And I hope, you know, the listeners, no matter what part you like the most, I hope, you know, you got something out of it. I definitely did. All these podcasts are fun. This one felt very fun and very deep, kind of. Um, and definitely, if you got something out of it, reach out to them. You guys are excited. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, You're we not, absolutely they're are. They're not stable robots. They're stable humans. They'll reply. You yeah. know what I mean? They're accessible. Um, and just really quick, pitch what you got coming up. What? What? Anything else? Last words, last dance here. So follow us on Instagram at Stable Girl Summer. Currently, nothing that we are merch like you if you got it you better hold on to that baby it's because exclusive. it's going to be vintage one day nft it nft it yes yeah. and stable um coin. you're accepting stable girl coin on to, the moon, to the yes. moon yes um so follow us on instagram because that's where we um are the most up to date we plan on doing another drop soon and Stable Girl Summer isn't just a season, right? It's a mindset. Not everything that we have is just going to stay Stable Girl Summer. We have a lot of exciting things coming in store. We can really only go up from here. So when you find our Instagram at Stable Girl Summer, you'll be able to connect with both of us that way on our personal pages and on our like collective page. Yeah. So just like she said, at Stable Girl Summer, I'm going to plug it one more time. <laughs> There's no underscores or anything. And then at Sydney Samborski and at vitamin underscore key, K-E-E. -E. And all three of those platforms will be where you can find what you need, what you want to see. We will always be updating. We tag each other. And they're also just beneficial for, like, mental health. I mean, I think we really preach that on both of our platforms. Um, but like Sydney said, we have other things coming out soon and it won't just be stable girl summer. There will be some other things that are relatable and will be an entire movement, not a season. So thank you for having yeah. us on. Thank 100%. you. And again, it was, it was vitamin bold and Sydney Zamboldski. <laughs> <laughs> uh, share with a friend if you got anything out of it. 
Um, leave a review, rating. We don't do ads. Eh, we can't do that. Also, if you are going through trauma of your own, like, please, the one thing, like, don't be alone in it. Yeah. Whether that means reaching out to either of us, um, to George, like, to anyone, just please don't be alone in it. Know that we have a lot of great resources for the trauma that we've been through. Um, and please, like, that's, I want to help you. In yeah, that we're way, happy so. to speak with you about anything you need, whether you think your trauma is big or small, like, we're here for it. And the yoga class is an option too. Yeah, yes. we both teach in yes. the Twin Cities, so come through. Yeah, come, come through. We, we post about all of our classes, so Instagram is the one shop, one stop shop. Yeah. It's all there. Hit it up. Live bold. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Cut. Woo.